tune in, tone up. Your one-stop shop for guitar tricks, tips, techniques and advice. With me, Gary Shilliday, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. Hello there then, Dan. How's it going, Gary? Good, thanks. Uh, two new episodes, so this is our third now, uh, in this yeah. kind of little mini-series type thing on, uh, I guess, like improving your pentatonic scales. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of about expanding your knowledge a little bit, just a little bit, just so it's not unmanageable, doesn't feel like a, a massive mountain to climb, but you hopefully you guys out there are getting a little bit more into your playing and a little bit more out of your playing i'm hoping i'm hoping the extra note choices and ideas sort of are breeding a little bit of more exploration from yourself yeah yeah sounds good sounds really good okay so let's have a little brief recap on, on where we've come from we started looking at the weekend warrior that's right yeah yeah the Weekend Warrior. This is the guy who's maybe got together with a few mates. He enjoys playing. And he's not there, you know, a couple of times a month, play the old pub gig. He would consider himself a sort of a an amateur, but he's learning the ropes. He's getting there. He can put a decent solo together. He can follow a tab. He can play plenty of songs. But maybe what's lacking in his life or her life is a bit of creativity with the guitar. So we're trying to maybe give you a few more tools that you can use to be creative. You know, we're not talking about the solos that are written down that are amazing solos and you learn them off pat and you're done. We're talking about the times when you are called on to maybe pull a solo out of the bag. Your brain magically empties of all the good stuff that you thought you had learned and then you just go blank and go, oh, play. <laughs> and end up playing oh, so everyone has that then. <laughs> oh, we do, yeah. <laughs> Cole Verhaeen, who's an amazing guitar player, he said once that all that time spent woodshedding and getting licks together is like money in the bank. That's how he referred to it. I've always referred to it like a trick bag, like you're filling up this bag full of good guitar knowledge, licks and stuff that you can actually physically use, that when the time comes, then you use it. Okay, yeah, cool. Because as as Carl Verhaeen himself said, even the best players are probably only improvising on a good night, maybe 30% of the time. Yeah. Because there's improvisation as in, I don't know what I'm going to play, but I'm going to play something. Hmm. Doesn't sound like such a good plan. <laughs> Fair to fail, fail to prepare. I don't know. Maybe there's a little <laughs> bit of that in there. But there's the other side of the coin where improvisation is maybe used to link the licks together that you've already thought of. Maybe things right. that you, even if even if you haven't sat at a guitar and played them, maybe you thought in your mind, that would work great with that. Yeah. And then you try it in rehearsal when it does, so you continue to play that on the stage. I don't really write my solos out, but I'm not, not physically on paper, but I do find that there are things that work, extend myself a little bit, yeah, you know, and play a little bit of me rather yeah. than maybe the cover that I've been paid to play, then I will put my own spin on things. 
Yeah, okay. You know, but to be able to put your own spin on things means you need a few tools in the tool bag. So last week we were looking at adding the second, the major second. So that's taking our pentatonic scale from sounding like this. Um, so starting position one for the minor pentatonic on the 12, so 12, 15, 12, 14 on the next three strings, then 12, 15 on the top two. A lot of people's solos are going to probably feature that in some way, shape or form. You can add the blues note. So this, in the case of E, is the B flat. It's the fifth note flattened. So yep. if you went up the E minor scale, the fifth note would be B. You just have E, F sharp, G, A, B is yeah. number five. Flatten that. Stick it in with all of the others. Okay. So on the A string, your scale now goes 12, 13, 14. And on the G string, it goes 12, 14, 15. So nice. this, for some people, is kind of as far as it kind of gets. Yep. They might do the little extension of the scale. So in the key of E, that means sort of usually flying the nest at the G string at the 14th fret, then moving up to the 16, 15 and 17 on the top two strings, then culminating in the 19th. We talked about adding the major second, which yep. I sort of alluded to earlier. So this means basically it's two frets above the E. So wherever we get an E, which is going to be the 12th fret on the bottom string and the top string, and also the 14th fret on the D, and wherever else we encounter yep. an E, two frets higher gives us F sharp. So this is adding the ninth. Okay. So what are we going to do with these things, and how can we maybe... Add a little bit of style and yeah. a little bit of swish to our playing. So, as ever, Gary and I are going to jam a little bit over a track. Yep. Not for very long, because we don't want you disappearing off and going, they just want to jam. <laughs> we <laughs> do. <laughs> <Gareth>. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, we're going to play just for a little bit, and then we're going to kind of analyse what we did, what we liked, what we didn't like. Yep. And then start to think about maybe other things that we could put in the pot to make it more interesting. Do you want to go first, Gary? Or go on then? Why not? Yeah, break a leg. <laughs> I don't think anyone's break a string. Has anyone ever broken a leg while playing guitar? Dave Grohl did actually, didn't he? Ah, uh, yes, he did, didn't he? Yeah, uh, off the stage or something. That felt flat. Thank you. 
ridiculously nice sounding uh, Les Paul there. It's so, creamy. Dan. is kind of in a way be our this is like looking for focuses i think i was focusing there on my pickups a little bit so sort of be your be your best judge in a way okay you know look at your playing and be honest yeah you know what did i play that was good what did i play that was not so good yeah yeah be try and be as, as as honest as you can about it so you can put it right I remember years ago when I was a teenager, I did some recording. I thought something sounded stellar. I listened back and the vibrato <laughs> absolutely tanked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I realized, yeah, okay, when I was into this and playing this, I was like, yeah, that sounds really cool. You don't always notice at those times that maybe things don't sound quite, quite as good as you think. Rock star tastic yeah. as yeah. you think they do. I think I get that when I edit these episodes. It's quite a good opportunity to listen back. A magnifying glass for not error as such, but refinement. Yes. yes. So be be honest with yourself about what you're good at and what you're not so good at. 
So what were you really chuffed in terms of what you played or yeah, what did you like, what did you not like? Uh, I think uh, there were a couple of bits where I messed around with the rhythm. I thought that made it a little bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. But I don't always do that very well. Uh, I quite liked uh, the different pickup sounds. So I think I was, that was my focus. Okay. Uh, and I think each time that I got the pickup sound, so I went for a single pickup at the end, but with the volume sort of full on. Mm. And it was quite, I think it was, it'd be interesting to listen back to it because it was quite a bit harsh on the ear, maybe, but actually quite a good bit of sustain and a good bit of sound. So I thought that was quite good. I thought each of those pickups sort of positioned, sounded mm. good, bridge, the nut, and everything. There's something to be said, I guess, for. We think back to the eighties and even back to the fifties when things like Les Paul Juniors were were the thing. Yeah, you know, had one P ninety and nothing else. You know, volume and a tone if you were lucky. And you went into the eighties and some people even had single pickup guitars and they didn't even put a volume pot on it. Right. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a that's fairly, crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, fairly uncontrollable monster. But the majority had at least a volume pot to worry about, and that was about it. Yeah. Now, from the point of view of simplicity, that's fine, but although part of the tonal palette is down to where you play, if you play nearer the neck, it's going to be more mellow. So if I'm on my bridge pickup, if I play nearer the neck, this is a little tip I picked up from Phil Hillborn. If you're playing, and this might be something that if you're playing over, maybe maybe you've got quite a mellow start to a tune. Mm. You know that kind of sound a clarinet makes, which is sort of... Sort of got a bit nasal, a yeah. Slightly nasal. If you play something... And then you literally play about 12 frets higher than yeah. where you're playing. So you're plucking over the fingerboard, really. You get that almost clarinet-like sound. Yeah. So you know you can you can try doing that for sort of mellower tones. Yeah. Even just for yeah, you know, and it's got a, it's funny how they adds that timber to it. If you're playing chords and you want a real jingle jangle, try up near the bridge. Make your humbucker guitar sound like nearer like a, to a yeah. telecaster. That will do it. But in the greater scheme of things, I think we'd all agree. While that's all very good stuff, and we should all be utilising that anyway, that changing your pickups is a really good free way of getting a new tone. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's where you use it. Yeah. If you want definition, probably the bridge pickup is a good place to start. But if you're doing maybe a long line, like a, maybe a, a sort of a smooth, bendy line. You want to be on the uh, neck pickup, yeah? The neck pickup works pretty well also for sweeping and things like that if you're ever going down that road. You know, choosing your pickup according to what you're doing can make a you know quite a big difference. Hmm. If you want that more machine gunny sort of Gary Moore kind of sort of sound that he tended to get with 
Mm. You know, the alternated picking quite sort of viciously applied to a bridge pickup high gain tone. Yeah. You're going to get that more out of the bridge. Yeah. Whereas if you want a sort of super fluty sort of sound, your neck pickup's probably the way to go. Okay. So that's one thing you could do is try changing your pickups. What I mean is actually like physically flick from one to the other while you're playing. Yes. Yep. The worst sound in the world if you're a guitar teacher is hearing somebody battling through Sweet Child of Mine on a Telecaster bridge pickup. <laughs> yes. It's wrong, it's bullying, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you have to play it on a single chord guitar, wind the tone back a little bit and have it on the neck pickup and you'll get a lot closer to Slash's tone. Yeah. Even without the appropriate gear. Yeah, okay. So be sensitive to what sounds good if you can. Mm. You know, why why it's hard does, at the moment, but yeah, yeah, I know what you you know, if when you play when if you're playing in a band especially, you know, what sounds what sounds really good? Yeah. You know, say you do a lot of legato, maybe you're not the best at picking fast. You might find the neck pickup is a bit more forgiving. Yeah. If I'm honest, you know, if you're if you're sort of at that point in your guitar journey. You know, whereas if you want to catch pinch harmonics, you know, you're bridge better off all the time. using the bridge. Yeah. You've got that extra shot of top end, which which won't go amiss. Yeah. Okay, so cool. be sensitive to the sounds that you're using. Now, you said something very interesting a few minutes ago. You talked about rhythm. Now, this is super important. Yeah. So when we talk about rhythm, this is the rhythm we're playing our single notes with. Yeah. So the rhythm one group of notes does to the next. So I'm going to play over this completely unrhythmically, just just for like a few seconds. Kind of noodling. Like noodling, shambles. Yeah, okay. That sounds great. Let's face it, it sounds like I'm not listening to the track. Yeah, yeah. But trust me when I say after being a guitar tutor for a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Since about the mid-90s I've been teaching guitar. It's a sound that most guitar tutors, as they get people into improvisation, are very used to hearing. Right, yes. Where the brain doesn't connect with the track. Yeah. Or the guitar is so loud, that's another one I've had before, that the track is just this fart in the background. Yeah, yeah. That no one's really listening to it. No one's really... They're just, just bimbling away in their own little world. That's not music. That's not listening to what you're doing. Yeah. You've got to listen to a track. What's the track saying to you? Okay, it sounds a bit hippie, but what's the track saying to you? Mm. What's it about? Yeah, I thought, you know, you, I thought you were creating quite a good story at at times in uh, that first solo. Yeah, I must admit. Thank you. Yeah. And, and story, story is, is... And listening to the drums and things like that. So you, you knew where to sit out. Yeah. There's quite a lot of experience the, in that, isn't there? There's a time to stick on the gas. Yeah. And there's a time to back off. It doesn't have to be what the song is really about. Yeah. It can just be like, this is what I'm... This is how I interpret the song. Now... It's interesting, if you do library music, you get very used to going on their sites, uploading your songs, and they ask you to connect certain words with it. Yeah. Like, 
Is it happy? Is it sad? Yeah. Is it exciting? Is it adventurous? Is it remind you of a sunny place? Does it sound cold? Yeah. Is is it aggressive? Is it non-aggressive? Now, you're sort of partway there in a way to telling the story. So if you were writing, you know, if you were writing, say, a song which was going to be an instrumental track used for a motor racing program. Yeah. You wouldn't write a depressing ballad. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. But if you were... It's got to be adventurous and fast. and Fast yeah. and exciting and on the edge and like really sound like it's pushing the limits of rock yeah. and roll. Whereas, you know, if you were writing a song on your album... And there's about a friend who passed away. Yeah. You're not going to write that, probably, are you? No, Unless no. you're napalm death. Yeah. You're not going to write that. You're probably going to write something a bit meaningful. And even if it's an instrumental, you're kind of feeling every note. Yeah. There's that thing they say, and we're going to try and apply this to guitar. There's that thing they say on the X Factor, which is, I, I felt every word you said. Yeah. Every word you sung, I believed every word you said when you sang that song. And it's true, you can sing something with ultimate conviction, like you're in the story. Yeah. Or you can sing it like you're just a very good singer and you're blatting out the words. You know that, like, Funkadelic song, Maggot Brain? I think I've heard of it. There's a solo in that, and uh, I've heard them say that, uh, I've forgotten the name of the guitarist, but just prior to the the set they said oh by the way your uh your dad's died and uh his dad was ill and he just played this really meaningful solo and then halfway through someone leaned in and said he hasn't really and or something like that and uh then he got a bit angry <laughs> but it all came out in the solo it's quite a good solo it's got there's a lot of lots of really great stories it. i remember reading an interview with reeves gabriel is that his name he used to play for dave bowie Oh, yeah, okay. And he used to say, Bowie used to sort of kind of put him in a bit of a box, as he used to call it. Yeah. He's going, you know, Bowie would go, like, just imagine you've only got your D and your A strings and everything else is broken. They'll play the best solo ever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've heard that, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was my day Bowie impression. <laughs> that's I'm good. On the record on. <laughs> so, so, you know, and that's that boxing in sort of almost made him frustrated because he couldn't use everything. Mm but meant that he had to kind of come up with something. It's kind of a, a funny kind of a logic. But I think it's certainly, it's an interesting thing and makes you perform better if you can have these things going, going you know, on. going on. That There is a story attached to it. You're telling the story. You may not be the best vocalist, so you're telling it through yeah. the guitar. I okay. had a conversation once with a female vocalist and we were talking about this. And it's funny, she said, when I'm really going for it, I imagine I imagine like a disaster scenario. Right. Like okay. I'm in a disaster scenario. I'm sort of, you know, sort of screaming to get out. I'm, you know, yeah. telling everybody to get a move on. And Well, I guess you can do the same on the guitar, can't you? you know? Exactly. Yeah. Now, I know that sounds a bit esoteric, or is that the word? Yeah, esoteric, yeah. That, esoteric, you could be to teach. Teacher, teach. So... <laughs> Let's think about this guitar-wise. I know there's been less about the note choices and things this time. Yeah. But it's about getting you to think about what you're playing over. 
be sympathetic to what you're playing over. Okay. Doesn't mean you can't play some wild and nutty stuff, but pick your moment. Yeah. So let's try this track again. Yeah, okay. But this time, do you want me to start or do you want to start? Um, yeah, go on, I'll start again oh, then. Why he's not? A, he's a brave one. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> 
damn right I got the blues. <laughs> we got the blues. <laughs> so let's Excellent. maybe have a little break it down yeah, about yeah. what was going on there. Because we haven't really talked techniques, have we? We've talked to sort of about driving a story, which is great. Yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> so it leaves us something for next time is all I'm thinking as well. Oh. So that's good, isn't it? Yeah. That's right. It's I try and cover sometimes with people if I feel they're poor little brain will take it sort of things <laughs> that not everybody else talks about yes you know at the end what's the point of music if it doesn't drive some kind of emotion right yeah sure you know there is music you know, music out there can take you to a time in your life yep it can take you to an event in your life even it can take you back to an entirely different era mm. different sounds evoke different vibes yeah what motivates you to learn music isn't it really that's right so why avoid it <laughs> exactly as, yeah. as much as there is some fantastic stuff to learn as we were saying earlier there's a cavalcade of things to learn and you never stop learning but the main driver if you talk to any musician the main driver is we just love to play we've got something to say and we wish to say it yeah we may not wish to say it in terms of putting political views in our songs or, or, or anything like that but we've got mm. something to say and we express ourselves through our music and through through our playing yeah you know there's something inside that must come out because it's it's not right for it to be locked away mm. now i know this sounds really really hippie but if you even apply it a little bit from the point of view of simply being sympathetic to what you're playing over. Yeah. You know, because that helps tell the story. Yeah. Well, I think, I think I'm glad that we did the first bit and then you reminded me of that. Mm. Um, it'd be interesting to hear back and hear the difference in my own playing. I mean, your, your playing is very expressive and very musical all the time. I try. I, I think, do try I think, to be as best I can. I think our listeners would agree. You know, it's... Uh, it's got a lot of character and and uh, a lot of dynamics and all those kinds of things. So there's a lot to like learn from listening to it. I think, as I say, you know, like if you if you were reading a book, think of a song or even a solo like a book. What's a book got? Usually, it's got a captivating beginning. Hmm. There's some exciting stuff goes on in the middle. Um, there's setting up the story at the beginning, and then there's finishing the story off, leaving you wanting more. Yes. Now, yeah. in solo terms, whether that's starting off with a bit of the melody because that sets you up for the solo and you're used to hearing that in the song and then going off on a few more interesting licks, maybe some rhythmic kind of licks. Yeah. And then sort of finishing with yeah, maybe a high note or, or some kind of run or, or something that's a little bit interesting to keep you thinking, oh, that's a cool bit of guitar. I want to hear that again. Yeah. It still has to hang together, kind of like a good story. Now, yeah, that's where I was focusing on my second one. I wasn't doing it that well, but I wanted to kind of get motifs in there mm. a little bit. Um, I think some of what, you, if, if I could help you, and yeah. hopefully this will in turn help our listeners, you've only got to go onto you know websites that sell gear, you know, shops and things, Anderson's, we've got Gak down here in Brighton. And I mean, there's so much gear. I mean, yeah. there's so, so much gear. And it's very easy to think our playing is lacking because I haven't got a certain piece of kit. Yeah. Now, okay, 
a nice guitar sounds better than a cheaper guitar if it's set up properly and played by somebody who's half decent. If you've got a nicer amp, it sounds usually nicer than a cheap amp. Yeah. So, okay, those things are very true. They make a difference. They do. But the biggest... They're not the be-all and end-all, They're not. The biggest difference you can make is with the player, which is yourself. Simple things like setting yourself up with the sound and riding the volume knob. You know, listen to this backing track, although it's probably put together on a computer. Mm. At the end of the day, there's bits where it gets louder and bits where it gets quieter. You want to reflect that in your guitar. You know, a guitar like this, a Les Paul, they have a habit, if you leave the volume on 10, of being a bit of a runaway train. Yeah. And, you know, a Les Paul loves being on 10. Yeah. It's where it's yeah, yeah. fattest, thickest, you know, like a sledgehammer coming along to... But then there's no dynamics, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, has its, you know, it has its high points for that factor. But by dropping the volume back a little bit, reducing the levels of gain, so the handling noise is quieter. If I was trying to play a melody, especially, I'm going to go to the neck pickup, mm. right? If I was trying to play a nice, a beautiful melody and the song's not going for it, you hear my guitar's already making a racket. Every time I stop, I'm getting all this noise. Yeah. If I just wind my, my volume back to sort of six and a half, seven... Much cleaner. Very little finger noise. Maybe it needs to be even lower. Maybe the tracks really drop down. Lower still. And that's the time. What I'm going to do, I'm going to dig in with the pick. Mm. So I'm going to use my pick and how hard I hit a string to carve out the sound I want. So the harder I hit it, the more gain will come out of the guitar. And the, the softer I hit it, cleaner it will be mm. learn from this folks yeah this is really really important to get subtlety into your playing yeah you know remember here yeah remember a volume control isn't a switch yeah it's not like nothing and then everything yeah it's got all these little nuances in between and every yeah. little notch of the switch of the, the switch to himself now every little notch of the volume pot will bring a slightly different sound into play, whether it makes the guitar brighter, thicker, whatever. So yeah. I'm going to play really... Now, if I play really soft, just going to get a volume pot down. I'm on three. Sounds almost clean. Very clean. Yeah, I'm going to dig in a bit. I don't know if you could hear that. You can hear it in the room. Yeah. It thickens up a little bit. There's a little bit more gain. I'm going to read here. Nothing on the volume, yeah. You can disguise how much gain is there by winding it back and leaving there enough headroom to you to dig in, that's mm. making it a bit louder. Okay. You know, but at that's the same... a cool bit of advice, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you might want to ride your volume, say, for regular playing, maybe around seven. You get a little less finger noise, but still plenty of gain there. 
And then you've got a little bit of room to move. If the song starts going somewhere, you really want that sustainer kick in. So have it on 10. Yeah. So, this week, folks, for the next couple of weeks till the next podcast, or whenever that may be, which will be shortly, what I want you guys out there to do, set yourself up an amp sound. Now, I'm not scared of game. You can hear I've got a fair amount there. I was brought up on Gary Ward and Gray Malmsteen, for crying out loud. Yeah. I'm not a blues player going, oh, just turn the game down, Sunny Jim. (laughs) So, you know, I don't mind having plenty of hair on the note. But remember, there's all these increments between 0 and 10. Yeah. From completely off to full on with the pedal on the, you know, sort of flat against the metal and every other increment. If you're trying to play something delicate, and I've seen people do this, they've got the guitar on 10, it's got so much handling noise and there's so many, it just sounds crap. You've got to get the guitar under control. Yeah. You know, and that also will help your expressiveness because you'll be able to play it without any feedback and without any nasty handling noise and that and just sort of play it like you want okay. to play it. Cool, yeah. And then when there's the time to open the taps, open the taps. Have that light and shade in your playing. Try different things at different volume levels. Set yourself up for a sound. How many sounds can you get from that? Try changing pickups. And as I said, although it takes a little bit of imagination and you might feel a bit stupid, try and imagine the story that you're telling. Yeah, yeah, that's a good plan. You know, Excellent. you can even relate it to something <laughs> in your life that's happened. Yeah. It could be anything from a moment of triumph. It could be a new relationship, a relationship gone bad, a disaster scenario like we were talking about. It could be anything but actually relating something in your playing, it almost helps you connect. So you connect with what you're playing, you connect with the backing, and you connect with what's going on on the guitar. Even with a few notes, mm. you can do that. You don't need zillions of notes. You don't need yeah. zillions of scales. But you, that exercise you can apply whether you know just the minor pentatonic or whether you know the whole damn lot. Okay, brilliant. Thanks, Dan. That's amazing. Try it, man. I hope everyone else will be trying it as well. But yeah, Don't I'll call me a hippie going. for nothing. <laughs> Try it, man. That's great. No, excellent. <laughs> uh, look forward to next time, and we'll we'll carry on from where we left off. Cool. And next time, there will be more notage. Excellent. Thanks so much. <laughs> See Cheers. you. See you next time. That's all. Stay tuned for more episodes, jams, improvisation ideas and well-informed thoughts about amps, pedals and guitar tone. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud or see our website on tunein-toneup.com. Here you'll find show notes, tabs and further research and resources. It's also a good place to get in touch. We hope you're finding these lessons as interesting and as useful as I do and if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. Hey.